1: Hello, I'm Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a business and estates attorney in New Jersey. My office is located in Clark, New Jersey, and so I live kind of in the center of the state, and I'm very excited to be here and talk to Karin on CouncilCast.
0: Thank you for for being here, Mitch. We are. This is going to be, I think, a unique one because we are talking from the inside of a firm. So we've got the expertise coming from the inside of a law firm. Instead of a marketing expert coming from the outside and kind of telling you all these marketing theories and, you know, why these things work and everything. Instead, it's, you know, you are a practicing attorney, it's coming from your expertise and what you've actually kind of experienced. And so we're going to talk about firm management, business development, all of those good stuff, but the topic and the title of the show is how can a law firm grow with systems? So I know you've got a lot of experience in Different firms and different kind of implementing these different kinds of systems, so first of all, why does this have anything to do with marketing?
1: well I mean I, and I think that maybe a lot of the lawyers in our in my profession are a little guilty of this. I think that we don't think of ourselves as salespeople or as marketers you know we're professionals and we're doing all of our our legal work and I think that you know the automation and the, and the process of doing that you want your your marketing to be ongoing you want the firm and the attorneys and you know your networking and and all the marketing to go on at the same time and i find that a lot of especially little smaller firms maybe the bigger firms have more of a machine in place but yeah. i've found that they do it well either but if they <laughs> do it you know is that you want to put these things in place because you get busy with work and then you drop off from your marketing and it's this cyclical roller coaster ride where Oh, now I got to find more business type of a thing, and nobody really wants to wants to live that way. So, if you have a system as to way you do your marketing, and I always say that the, you know, the networking supports the marketing or vice versa, depending on where you are and what's going on. You got to do both, but you know, so I have a lot of things in place that I've over the years learned and decided to do or figured out because I didn't want to have the stress of like. Oh, I just met 12 people last night. Now what do I do with their names? And how do I get in touch with them? What do I do when a client matters done? How do I get Google reviews? You know, all that type of stuff. You know, I don't want to be the attorney that says, yeah, you know, I, you're right, Karin. I need to do that. Like, I, I do it. And I, and I do that. If I tell you I'm going to connect you with somebody, I will connect you within hours or a day. I want it off my list and moved on to whatever I am producing the work that I have to produce, you know?
0: Well, and I think that just kind of goes back to this big idea that your reputation is marketing. So if you are that person who's out networking and doing all of this, putting all this time and effort and energy, I know for myself, like networking events and, and things like that, they are really, they zap all my energy. Like I am, I used to be an extrovert. I'm not quite sure if I am anymore, but but it it, it, it has got to the point where it's like, okay, I really have to gear up for this and know that it's going to be a little extra caffeine on that day and all of that good stuff. But if I'm putting all of that energy into something like that, and then you don't have the system in place to follow up and make that, you know, a, a full, you know, end loop of that connection, then what is the point? And you're really yeah, kind of where dam- You
1: don't want to go to in the first place.
0: Exactly, and you're really damaging your reputation more than if you just weren't even there. Because if you're out there saying things and you know kind of making a bad name for yourself, that's that's worse.
1: You know how many people, somebody comes to me and says, do you know somebody that does this? And I know I met this person somewhere and I can't put my finger on it because they didn't stay in touch. And I, I'm i not the kind of person who, you know, has my database with everybody's name and what they do. Some of them I do, but not everybody. So as a result of that, they should keep in touch with me. I mean, they're the ones who want the business, not me.
0: Yeah, well, and I've had so many experiences recently, just not even in work, but in different things where it's like, you know, I talked to somebody about this thing that I need, they thought I would need it then. And then like years later, it pops back up. And they never followed up. And so forget about it. Oh, I know what it was. It was a cleaner for our house. They came by, sent someone out, we met with them, and then they never followed up. And that was kind of part of my evaluation is, are you going to even call or email me after the, after you? Right. Yeah, exactly. What's, what's in place? So you mentioned that you have all these systems that you've kind of thought through ahead. What are some examples of that?
1: So i just preface this by saying, you know, I'm a, now I'm a solo practitioner for the most part. I've been doing this 30 years. So I have a lot of colleagues that handle things. They send me business, all right? So everybody's pretty much virtual. I have a lot of per diem stuff. When I had a bigger firm, you know, we were using, I think we were we started to use Clio. We had systems in place because we had to do, you know, more formal billing and, and we needed a system to do that stuff. But even then, it was like pulling teeth to try to get the attorneys to do things from a technology standpoint than... You know, not. So we would invest in these systems, and half of them wouldn't get used. Now, if I invest in anything, I I use it. So you know, I moved over to simple stuff like Google Workspace and things like that. But I have put some things in place. So when I got started, and somebody comes on board, I get a lot of referrals from people who, you know, maybe it's not the most complicated. Let's use the states for example. It's not the most complicated situation. It's a young couple. They have a new baby. They may not want to use LegalZoom, but they don't want to go out and spend twenty five hundred or three thousand dollars on on wills, and they need to get it done. So I have technology that I've built in my website where they can go. You know, they get a Google form, they prepay it; it's half the price, and in two, three or four days they get wills with signing instructions, and they can get get them signed themselves. So they can have me sign them, but there's another there's another fee for that. And I've done that with, and I'm adding commercial agreements and things like. Like that as well. I also saw a big problem when I was doing my website and the SEO and everything. I I was like, well, you know, I'm not really getting any Google reviews. You know, what happens with a lawyer if you don't get Google reviews? Only the ones that are disgruntled clients, or very often they are people that you had to go after on behalf of your client that are writing bad reviews on your website, right? So the only way to deal with that is to bury those with good reviews. So it took me a little while, but I, and I have a friend of mine in Florida. She's an state's attorney too. She's very good with technology. She wants everything to be automated. So she gave me the template she was using. So we, I set up a letter. So every time there's a matter that's done, the the matter comes off the CRM, drops onto another list, and I think uh, I guess it's Zapier takes their email, brings it over to my system. I now use A Weber. I used to use Mailchimp, but I use AWeber. A Weber. They're sponsor of my podcast. Love A Weber. Little shameless plug. <laughs> And and it drops in and it drops onto a list and they get they get a, an email letter telling them to please give us a review, give them some guidance so they don't violate any any of my ethical issues. And I started getting a lot of reviews and as a result of that getting a lot more incoming, you know, traffic from people that said, Oh, I read your review or I heard this from this person or or whatever, but it I wasn't doing it because I'm too busy doing other things. So once I got it in place, it started to, you know, really pick things That's up.
0: That's a perfect example of how you know how you set up a system, you spent that extra time to set up that system and you only have to set it up once but it drives the reviews and the purpose of it is because then you rank higher and it, at the end of the day, this is a marketing event. So even though it sounds like it might be some part of firm management or operational details, at the end of the day, the goal is a higher view of the audience so that they can find you and it drives more business. I mean, that's, that's marketing at the end of the day. So even though people think, Oh, it's part of the, they may not think this conversation has anything to do with marketing. It absolutely does.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, because you're managing your client relationship, you're reminding them, they probably appreciate what you did. And they're happy to give you a review and they get that because I've had people say, hey, can I review you? Can, and they hadn't gotten the letter yet or whatever. I said, yeah, yeah, you'll be getting that soon. But I think that you know, one of the things I did – and you mentioned before about going to networking events because I'm a big networker. I go to events. I was at an event last night. I got another one at 4.30 today. But it is exhausting. I mean you do have to get yourself up. Sometimes I'm not in the mood and I'm like, you know what? I'll get in the mood when I get there. I'll figure it out, right, right. whatever. But you leave with a pile of business cards. And when I was much younger, I told you I've been doing this for 30 years. So 15, 20 years ago, you know, what do I do with these cards? Like, I don't know. I call them, whatever. So using the marketing systems we have now, because it wasn't doable 20 years ago, everybody gets added to the system and they automatically get a six email drip campaign about the things that I do, the podcast, things that automatically, took me a while to set up and write and so forth. But when it's done, on the list they hear from, they can opt out at any time. I always tell them that. You know, if I, I I usually send them emails, nice meeting you. I took the Liberty car and I'm adding you to my mailing list. I hope that's okay. If not, you can just totally opt out. No offense. And, and then you learn about my firm because we didn't have time to talk. I didn't want the pressure of having to explain to you everything I do at a at a loud cocktail event. Like, that's not what I'm there for.
0: Well, and a drip campaign lands differently. I mean, if you were g- going to try to explain the details in a drip campaign while you're standing in a cocktail party, it would not go over well. Like, that just is not, nobody wants to sit and read that. But by sending that information and then reminding and kind of staying top of mind, once again, absolutely elements of a marketing campaign. And so from your side, what's involved in that you do you manually go in and put each of their email addresses in a or you know, whatever system you're using? Or do you have any other kind of way of getting the emails from the card into your system?
1: So if it's a networking event, obviously no, right? So I come back, I have a spreadsheet, I throw them into a spreadsheet, and then I upload the list. I don't do them one at a time. So if I come back with 30 cards, it gets a little bit involved. So that's a step, a manual step that I don't think there's any way to avoid because people are giving you a business card. But, and since we're getting into other automation, I I do a lot of meetings on Zoom now. I don't have to see people in person so much. And I have e-sign and, you know, the whole deal for retainer letters and whatever, Stripe. I don't know what they have me set up on to pay, you know, electronic payments. And uh, so Zoom is integrated with, I use Calendly for my calendar, which I discovered during the pandemic probably saves me three or four hours a week. Oh, absolutely.
0: And just frustration and irritation and like, what time zone is it? And I had one this morning and they sent like a list of, okay, I'm available at the following times, which is this in Pacific, this in Eastern. I'm like, no it's not you're adding an extra well, hour you're, <laughs> like you're doing the math exactly. wrong <laughs> like-
1: <laughs> i know i talked to a guy in china the other day he's in america he's got a business but calendly took care of it it was 1 30 in the morning for him and it was exactly the
0: like i don't want to do the math like that doesn't make it, right. it doesn't make any sense
1: well so what happened was i said there must be a way since they're putting their email in and it's going on the calendar there must be a way to take their email and to somehow get it into my crm so i figured that out with the zap took a while to test it i had to talk to some people there were some errors or whatever and now that's what happens. They make an appointment. You refer me somebody. You say, Mitch, it's Karen. Here's my best friend, Sue, and she needs this and this and this. I send Sue a link. As soon as Sue signs up for a meeting with me, her email goes on my list, and she starts getting the, the drip That's camp.
0: awesome. I, yeah. I use Calendly, too, and I cannot say enough good things about it. It seems like they keep adding – Good features all the time. It really integrates with every kind of normal standard things that most people are using these days—calendars and Google stuff. And I do think going back to the business card, like the the, you know, there's no real current way to go from the physical card. You know, I do think that that's the next kind of. Yeah, some people have digital
1: business cards. I used to have one. I don't use it, and I guess there's a way to kind of pull it in and whatever, but. There you has know. to
0: be a better way than just – right now what I've seen is it's either a QR code or something that you scan, and then it just creates a contact. But then there has to be a different way of putting that in a folder somewhere or alerting you or having some other method of saying, okay, this was from this event, and th- and having a follow-up thing.
1: Well, if you can figure it out, I have this thing my son got me. He's a tech guy. I just graduated, and he got me this thing called DOT. Have you heard of that?
0: No. What is it?
1: Okay, so DOT is – it's, it can be stuck on the back of your phone, like this round dot, or or it comes in a card because I have these things on, like, because I'm blind. So on the back of my phone, I have, like, little eyeglasses. So it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like, I can't do wireless charging and everything. So let me see if I can find this thing. It is a card that's, yeah. So I don't know if you can see this, right? Can you see that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dot, okay. And it's got a QR code on the back.
0: Oh, nice. Right? Yeah.
1: So that would basically bring you to a digital business card and you can then import that stuff. I don't know though, if it then, if I imported yours, there's got to be a way to do it. I just got to figure it out.
0: That's the thing. That's the missing step right there is to make it so that you have options to import it into different things that are then going to have a function attached to it. But I do think that's, it's not far away. I think we're, we're getting close because this idea of going to a networking event and having to collect A physical business card—it just seems like it's still from the era of Mad Men, and it's just not like, come on, people—we could do better than this. (laughs) I know
1: it's funny. I was probably going to insult somebody saying this, but I was at at an event last night, just for fun. I'll say it anyway.
0: Yeah, no, this is always good when that uh, when you start that way.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So I met this guy who I had met like years ago before the pandemic, and I remember his name, but you know, I was kind of out of it last night. It was a lot of people, so he didn't have a name, like everybody had a name tag on. I have a, one of those name tags and I had made, but I didn't have it with me that night. So mine said Mitch and he didn't have anything. So I said, why didn't you get a name tag? is says, there's name tags here? Like, I don't know. He was, wasn't paying attention. Yeah. So I go, well, do you have a business card? No, not really. So he tells me to pull him up on Google, his business and then screenshot the, which I did. But what am I going to do with that? It's a photograph. I, you know, so
0: this is probably how he does his Google search. Like maybe what, what do we use? What am I supposed to do with the screenshot? Like, am I going right. to save that and, and put it yeah. in a photo album somewhere? I what know. is the point I, of that? It wasn't
1: even usable data or anything I could download. and I'm just like, ah, whatever.
0: Well, you know what, that goes straight into, you know, where I was going to actually back up for a moment. And where I feel like maybe we should have even started is a basic level of tech awareness and understanding and you you really need to educate yourself like there are basics there I've, I've been doing this for it feels like forever but going on 15 16 years and there was a long time I feel like we're slowly getting past this where people would even ask me why do I need a website and it's like come on why do you need a phone number come on like you know, there these are basic basic ideas. I'm not going to talk about anymore. But there again, like why do I need to know how to f- give people my name and phone number? Why are you even at this event? You know, there is a basic basic the bar is pretty low. You have to have a business card when you show up to an event. You have to have a website. You have to have a phone number <laughs> like, you know, and so at the very at the very basic level, it's it's anyone's responsibility who's starting a business or a law firm to have these standards in place, and it's nobody else's job but yours to get this stuff figured right. out. Right, and you have
1: to learn this stuff. That's the way the world works. And exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and let me tell you something: lawyers and law firms are notorious for having what I call these these websites that are like billboards on highways that nobody's driving down. Like, there's no SEO. You know, they're just like they think like, well, it's got all of our lawyers on there and all their information. Okay, great. If I want to find the lawyer, I can. But there's no incoming traffic. There's no marketing that goes with it. No optimization of any kind. No reviews. And and they probably spend a lot of money on it, too. If it's a bigger firm, they probably spend 15, 20 grand putting this thing together. It's beautiful. Nobody sees it.
0: Yeah, well, you're singing to the choir. I, there's there are standards that I believe that you need, even just with a website. And like you're saying, like if it's if it's that kind of a website, it's it is a one way street, and it's not putting the message out to your potential clients. It's kind of standing in this ivory tower saying, "We are here, you find us," and that doesn't work anymore. No customer, no client, no. It doesn't matter what industry, who your clients are. That's not what anybody wants anymore. So how do you so So let's bring it back to systems and marketing and how do we tie that all together in terms of where you kind of have to have your standards and understanding in terms of where your systems and, you know, all of those pieces need to be set up and in place.
1: Yeah, I think that almost like writing a business plan, right? You have to write and create a strategic marketing plan, like the markets that you go after. What are the sources that bring you business as a lawyer? Because we all practice in different areas. You know, who are our target people for? And then create a structure, like you said. Okay, well, I'm going to go out to networking events. I'm going to, you know, market this way, that way. I'm going to make sure my web, and then start figuring out how those can all, you know, work together. The important parts are. You know, meeting new people, getting their names, getting them on your list. I think one of the biggest deficiencies I find is that people don't have email lists. You would ask me, and I don't know when you're going to get into it, about my book, the book that I like the most. Yeah. like a lot of books, but the the one book I mentioned to you is all about keeping in touch with people, and it, it, it just blows my mind. People that don't see the value in creating an email marketing list of people that have worked with you, know you, met you, whatever. I, I ran, you know, many people I ran into last night, they're like, oh, you know, we met whatever. And I, I don't remember. I mean, I meet a lot of people. And they're like, yeah, but I follow your podcast because I get your emails. Well, they're on my list. I met them somewhere, they're on my list. And it's just such a an oversight.
0: Exactly, because it only takes that little bit of setup. Like the, you guys are smart people. You are lawyers. You can figure this out. It's the one initial setup. Sit down. Spend. Sometimes it's like if you're using Calendly and things like that. Sometimes you're talking 10, 15 minutes at most. And the potential for what that means long term is way more worth th- that than that five, you fifteen minutes of your time. You
1: lost that you don't know about. That's,
0: exactly exactly it takes
1: time it's like the podcast I remember eight ten months it took to that time where people started recognizing me and 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 it actually bringing me business because people would hear about me all the time
0: yeah exactly well let's you mentioned the book so let's dig into that it is time for the book review so tell me about let's kind of do a nice smooth segue into that what's what's the book and how does that relate to these systems and all this good stuff
1: yeah, so there's a lot of great stuff out there, but you wanted me to pick one that I particularly love. So about 20 years ago, I read a book called "The Referral of a Lifetime." It's one of the Ken Blanchard, you know, gung ho series that he co-authors with people.
0: Oh no, I've never heard of these.
1: Oh yeah, so there's all different gung ho is one of them, but there's a bunch of books and they're all parables. They're all stories, including this book as a story. It's a very easy read, 100 and I don't know 15 pages. This guy Tim Templeton authored it with this guy Ken Blanchard, and it's all about building a keep in touch program for your business, but it's a story. I think of a woman who is in maybe real estate, whatever. She was struggling. She goes in this coffee shop and she meets the guy behind the counter. And I don't know, just like a bartender, right? She tells him what her woes are or whatever. And he's like, listen, I want you to come here on Tuesday. I'm going to have somebody to meet with. And she goes through this experience of meeting with these different people that are doing these different things. And in those days, 20 years ago, we had to send like postcards to people. It was There was no automation, <laughs> yes. right? There was no email list. It didn't so... Yeah. I started doing. It. And then years later, I kind of fell off the horse because we didn't have those kind of systems and I was busy doing other things. And frankly, I lost you know, sight of what I should be doing. And I get a call from a client once. I forget what it was. It was like the end of a year. And he said, listen, you've helped me with all those business problems. I need to put my estate together. Can you refer me to a good estate attorney? And I go, you're kidding, right? And he goes, no, I really, my wife and I, we need to do our wills. I go, I do that. He goes, you do? And that so that was my fault, though. It wasn't his fault.
0: Exactly. That is a wake-up call for you.
1: Yeah. So I pulled the book back out and got an updated copy, and that was all electronic. We, and I started redoing the whole thing, building an email list, creating the drip campaign. It took a while. Yeah. But I said, that's never going to happen to me again. I'm never going to be in a position where, or if they don't realize it's their fault, I still told them what I do on a regular basis. And the book is not only an easy read, but if you if you think people – they say in the book they use this statistic too. Everyone knows, really knows about 250 people, right? If you fill the room with them, they would all know who you are. If each of those people know 250 people, right, just one level, that's like 62,000 plus people that you can reach. So why are you going and putting up messages and doing blind cold calls or whatever you're doing to try and meet new people when you have this treasure trove of people that can refer you business that is – A little bit warmer than it was, you know, before. And they
0: can speak specifically to, you know, the work that they did with you or that they know of you. So in terms of objections, I can, I can practically hear it, like speaking to my, hear clients talking to me in my head. So how long, you said it took a while to set up that email list. But in my mind, like I'm having a whole conversation between myself and my my client in my head. In my mind, a while is not super significant. I'm thinking less than a day, probably maybe, you know, a day or two kind of to review. But how long did it take you to initially set up a good, solid functioning email funnel campaign like that?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. It definitely took more than a day, but it's probably because I didn't do it all at the same time.
0: Yeah, or hire someone to do it. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. But if you – but you know what? That's hard to do because you got to look through your contacts and only you can say, well, this person – so there's a process, right? You, you look through all of your contacts and I would label them first like A, B, and C. You know, Cs are people that might know you but are never going to be a champion for your cause. Bs may become As and As are your, your – your, you know, they're singing your song, your eva- right?
0: Evangelists. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So and then – and there's a, there is a section of the book that talks about this. Okay, now what do you do if you have – two or 300 people that you haven't been in touch with. And all of a sudden you're just going to start sending them stuff. So it's almost an apology letter, right? You can say, listen, we've evaluated our relationships and you're one of our, you know, our most important relationships. And we have not been, we've been remiss in keeping in touch and keeping you informed and so forth. And we promise that will never happen again.
0: Yes. That's so good.
1: It's really good. I forget exactly the way the letters worded, but it's really good. And I did that. So you got to sit down and you got to pull out your, 200 or even if you start with 100, whatever. Yeah. First list, right? Yeah. And you probably don't have all their emails. so And then you start by building that list and then sending out the, we'll call it the apology letter.
0: Yeah. I right? think that's really important. And I was just going to pause on that really quick because it really comes off poorly if you just land in someone's email or I- inbox, without any intro, and the, the likelihood of an unsubscribe goes through the roof. So you have to start out with that intro. And I will even say that this is messaging wise, in terms of any kind of campaign we do, including websites, that's super important. So if you start out your website and you're like, bam, I went to Harvard and I do this kind of law and you're not speaking to that client about their problems, forget it. Like they're going to do the equivalent of unsubscribe and go to the next website. So if they're not feeling it and getting that message that comes from you, that speaks to what you're trying to say in any format, forget about it. So that's super important. And like if anyone's thinking about doing an email campaign like this, make sure you spend an extra little bit of time on that first email to introduce yourself, do that sort of apology type thing and and get that warm introduction so that they're receptive to the rest of your messages.
1: Right, and I've had people say to me, oh, I can't do that. I, I, they're uncomfortable. Nice. Like, so I haven't that person in four years. Yeah. That's the point of the letter. So when you run into them, they don't say, hey, I got your email. Why, why'd you send that to me? You know, as opposed to they know why you sent it to them. You made that effort and that that softened the blow I think a lot it definitely kept people from unsubscribing and then from there I would send out things on a regular basis I would schedule them out because you can do that on any of the systems and then eventually I ran into somebody who was doing that drip campaign and I guess I was like well I, I would think that the system I'm using can do that and sure enough it did and some of this stuff you discover by accident and I started building those emails which took a while and then you know but you always got to be kind of one step ahead like Oh, like I said to you before, I think before we were on camera, you should be spending like 80% of your time in marketing and business development and keeping in touch with clients and networking and squeeze in the work because then you'll never be short of work to do.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I feel like that's kind of a reality check for people who are either starting or thinking of starting a firm. If that's not how you want to spend your time, then that then having a firm's not for you. And I mean, to be kind of harsh and blunt about it, it, it requires you're running a business. It requires marketing and whatever kind of marketing that means, whether it's an email campaign. If you're super introverted, you don't want to do the networking, whatever that is. It, it requires that. And so, and I do think the other note I was going to add to your process is that you were describing how you had the three different buckets, the A, B, and C clients. That would be a cool thing to add as you are. So if there is a future way of automating those business card intake systems as you're adding those people into your list in the future, you should be segmenting those yeah, you those can groups. Them. What yeah, exactly. So then them. you can have three different types of messages. You can make sure to drill down to that A group, and you know, dig dig through there, see if people are responding. Send them different messages. But it should be something where if you do separate them out, then that should be part of that that intake right. process. Right, and it may well. just be a
1: network contact, or you might pick a specific industry because maybe you know you work with a lot of realtors, so you want all the real estate people to be separate. You know,
0: yeah, things like absolutely. that.
1: Absolutely, they all those systems allow you to allow you to do that. But you're, you're right. I, I do know people that probably shouldn't be practicing law on their own. They should probably just go work for a firm. And I mean, they still have to do marketing. Look, The firm's going to push them to do some sort of business development, but at least they're a little, they feel a little bit more safe.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And there's a cost for that safety, you know, the, and so it's, it's, you kind of kind of weigh those, those different benefit know. Uh, benefits you know and
1: costs. between you and me, The attorneys – and I'm 56, right? So I know a lot of attorneys. They've been working for firms for a long time. They get up in their 50s and they get laid off or whatever their department changes and they have no business. They don't have a clientele because they haven't done that. So building a clientele and building business protects yourself, both your job maybe at that time or at least your ability to go out and say, hey, world, I'm here. And people still do business with you. It's just a really dangerous way to live just to think you're good. It is. Good. And,
0: and when you think about it, there's your value, too. And so when you go out in the world and you're in your mid-50s, you've been laid off, you're starting from zero. Hopefully not. Hopefully you've done – take some of these other day ideas. But if you lived in that safety and that fear of you know doing all these business development things – There is a huge cost for that at that point. And so, you know, it's not that much effort. It's just putting some time into thinking it through, thinking about, okay, like you said earlier, I'm going to this networking event. So if I get a handful of cards, what then? what happens next? So just thinking the next step ahead. Okay, so I've got this handful of cards. Who do I hand it to? (laughs) I don't have anyone in my office, so I got to do something. I got to do it. Right.
1: And and, and a lot of it is about, you know, repetitiveness, like keep doing the things. Don't question them. You know, keep connecting with people. Keep staying in touch with people. Keep putting good content out there. Keep getting reviews on your website. And I don't want to say it's magic, but it happens. You know, you can get started right away, like you said, but it does take time because people have to see your stuff. I don't know. What do they say now? 17, 18 times? It used to be five or six. Yeah. I don't even remember that they got an email.
0: Yeah, it takes so many more times. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and the consistency. And the other thing I say regularly, people have heard me say this before, is that I think one of the underrated aspects of marketing that people don't talk about that much is patience. And nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) Everybody wants the golden ticket. But consistency and patience are two of the most underrated marketing strategies there are. So knowing that it's going to require patience. And what does that mean? Does that mean you have to change your budget? Does that mean you might have to hire someone because over time you're going to run out of energy? What, is that, what does that mean? And so like factoring the patience and consistency into your plan is really important.
1: Yeah, well, that's why automation is important because you, you can't run the race yourself. You're going to drop off.
0: Right. You should also factor that it's going to be successful. So if it's successful, then you shouldn't have the time to do that right. in the future. Right. Exactly. Exactly.
1: That's the whole point.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So Mitch, what's one thing that you know that works?
1: That's a broad question. You mean from an automation standpoint and marketing standpoint?
0: That's why I like to kind of end with that one, (laughs) just in in, however you want to define that.
1: I know the consistency works. When I started the podcast, and I don't recommend podcasting for everybody, you know, you got to want to do it because it's just as hard as anything else. People speak about it. I want to start a podcast. Do you really? After I explain it to them, they're like, no, maybe not.
0: Never mind. And
1: and You and I know there's a lot of podcasts that put out four or five, 10 episodes, and then they're gone, right? Right.
0: And that's not a good reputation, little ding on your reputation either.
1: No, absolutely. People find content. It's 5 years old. They're like, "Well, is this person even still practicing law?" So Exactly. I, when I got started, the one thing that I was very important to me was if I'm going to do this and enjoy doing it, I had to set up the podcast and do it a certain way that I could keep going because consistency of putting out stuff on a regular basis is the is the magic formula, i hate to say magic, but it's the magic formula It is. to getting results. And I did that very early on because I saw that if I had to write content and speak every week, I would be out of words very soon. I was doing a, like a 15 minute update on Thursday mornings during the pandemic, like a live update. Hey, it's the live Thursday morning update, whatever, right? Some legal topics. I was get after a couple of weeks, because I thought the pandemic would be over by May, right? Yeah, like right. It was, right? Yeah. I was like, I was getting stress on Wednesdays going like, <laughs> oh what, what, what the hell am I going to talk about tomorrow? So I stopped doing it. And, and I said, well, if I'm going to keep the podcast going, I got to do these interviews and because then everyone else makes the content and I don't have to kill myself. And now I've gotten to the point where I get so many guests through Podmatch and through Matchmaker and all these different things. I don't have those those kind of pressures anymore. But if I have the pressure, it's not going to see it through.
0: Yeah. You know, I heard. Good thing a while ago about just kind of checking in with that where you do feel that stress. And it's kind of woo-woo, but where you feel that stress. And I do this even like on if I'm t- having a sales call and I'm t- talking to someone, and all of a sudden I feel like tense and it doesn't feel good. I instantly know, okay, this is probably not a great match. So I'm going to just talk to them about who might be a good match for them, or if all of a sudden I feel like, you know, I, I can just feel it instantly. Like this is a great potential client. They totally get it. They're saying all the right things. But the same thing when it's certain tasks in your day to day. I mean, running a business, you got a bajillion tasks going on. And so like you were saying, you have this one task and you feel it coming up and it just starts to feel bad.
1: And you know what you're going to do? You're going to put it off
0: Exactly. So for me, that is an instant. If I, I either get rid of that task or I find somebody else to do it for me. So I bring someone on my team. You have to. You either have to get rid of it or you have to delegate or it's going to take over your life. And that's just no way to live. And don't
1: think because you don't have employees, you can't delegate. There are virtual assistants. There are exactly. all kinds of ways to, to get systems to delegate things and make them go different ways. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And if you can't figure it out, then just get rid of it. I mean, it's you can't let that take over your life. So I think that's a perfect place to kind of end the whole conversation where you've got all these systems but and these ideas and these things that you have to implement, but if you're not going to be consistent with it, it's going to do more damage in the long run, and you have to find a way to make that happen one way or the other, whether it's you – Somebody in your team or whatever whatever it is that makes that happen, a system, an automation. I
1: tell people, don't podcast because you think it's going to bring your business. No. Do what you like to do. If you like to yeah. write and blog, blog. If you want to guest on podcasts, do that. If you want to speak, write books, whatever you like to do, do it because it'll be hard when you like it, let alone – when you don't like it.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and not to mention it's expensive if you do it well. <laughs> so, you got to kind of bootstrap it for a while before it starts to actually, you know, roll back in your favor, hopefully if that does happen, but it's going to take a while. So, you know, set set some funds aside for that. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mitch Beinhacker is a business and estate attorney. Thank you so much for this conversation. I think it's going to be a really interesting and unique one. I think a lot of our listeners love to hear from a fellow attorney. And there's some kind of good lessons in terms of how to just set up your business and think about all of these systems in terms of a marketing strategy. I think it was a a really useful and helpful conversation.
1: By the way, I don't know what you put in the show notes or whatever, but I'm always happy to connect on LinkedIn with people if they have any questions or...
0: Oh, yes, we will connect. We'll have all your social media links on the show page and your links to your firm and all of that good stuff, your podcast as well. So yeah, definitely connect on LinkedIn.
1: All right. Thanks, Karen. Awesome.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the CouncilCast podcast. Be sure to visit our website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on the episode and to give us your feedback. If you enjoyed this episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe to your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.